Real Talk with Grace Redmond features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redmond. I am Grace Redmond. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Real Talk, where I get to have real life, raw conversations with incredible people from my circles and communities who have overcome challenges and created amazing. Today, I have an incredible guest with us, Harold Atkins. Harold is the father of five incredible sons. He works with youth who are incarcerated and or re-entering from the juvenile justice system. He also coaches youth and high school football. Harold has always been viewed as a credible messenger and his number one goal is to help others learn the art of preparation and resiliency. I'm so excited to welcome Harold and I know we're gonna have an incredible talk today. <laughs> hey, welcome, hey, Harold. how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Like I told you earlier, I'm still recovering from being in Nashville. So I apologize to you and the audience if I seem a little slow today. <laughs> all good. All good. I, I know the feeling. Yeah, but it was a blast. And like we had talked on, talked about right before we got on, how important it is for us to kind of, you know, get out, get a change of scenery and just be in that flow of fun. That's important to our, you know, mental health as well as all the other things we do. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, humans are what they say. We, we're social creatures, right? Yes. So, yes. if you think about the need, uh, I'm gonna tell you if we if we didn't believe it, uh, last two and a half years made a lot of people believers. That's right. That's right. I mean, I know we talked about that as well, and I definitely want to mm. get to that the, the past two years and something that um, we've talked about before is, and then something that I'm so fascinated with is people's stories. People mm. like yourself who have experienced like some really major challenges and then they rise up above that. And um, when I first found out, cause you know, I've had, you know, re tremendous respect for you. You've been on the field with our kids and just you and Eric are amazing. Mm -hmm. And hearing your story just fascinated me, mm -hmm. you know, how, and, and, and please, if you can tell us a little bit, cause I think you could tell it better so, than I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and so, you know, the story, truthfully, uh, I like to tell people, and I go straight in, right? Um, if, if I were to tell my story and where I come from, I would say the bottom, right? The bottom. I am a welfare section A food stamp Medi-Cal sticker baby, right? Uh, my father, life without the possibility of parole, my mother was a substance user, did it all, did it all, did it all to make sure that we were able to, you know, live day to day, right? Mm -hmm. My grandparents and my aunts was everything. And, you know, growing up in East Palo Alto, uh, you you know, it's almost like I have, I've had two lives at this point, but growing up in East Palo Alto has shaped me and made me tough and got me ready to take on the world and everything I do today but it didn't start out that way, right? And the tough, the tough, the tough part of it, going through that crack epidemic and, you know, myself having never used drugs, never, uh, you know, had a substance use uh, or addiction issue, never had a diagnosed uh, mental health issue, uh, like I said, diagnosed, right? And um, coming through that, uh, never going through the juvenile justice system or anything like that. And then, you know, in my late teen, 18, bang, you you know, you're looking at a six-year sentence in state prison. I'm off to San Quentin, going, you know, going through all that stuff. And now I'm going, uh-oh, now what? Right? Now what? So so when you're 18, so tell us a little bit about the situation. What happened when you, if, if you could share, what happened when you were 18 that led you to the six years to be in St. Quentin? Okay. So I was involved in a shooting that could have cost me my life. Um, uh, I believe I was facing 38 years to life oh uh, in prison. Um, wound up, you know, fighting it, doing some things. And then, you know, in the end it was, hey, you know, six-year state prison was the outcome. 
um, the when you when I when I think about it back then, I look at it completely different uh, than I do now, because when I look at what was going on in my city, uh, in East Palo Alto, if I hadn't got sentenced to six years state prison, I would have been a murder victim. Right. So it was a blessing in disguise. It offered me an opportunity like no other. Right. Uh, and I know people say, Harold, are you nuts? Right. Well, a lot of the things that I learned about the art of preparation and how I, you know, my rigorous work ethic and then my growth mindset and all that stuff was set up through all of the, through my response, right? Uh, and all the self-help stuff that I did um, based on that situation and on the inside. Even my mentors that I carry today, I got five mentors that I could work with on the different different aspects of my life and different, you know, from my professional side, my football side, my, you know, my internal, you know, that internal mm-hmm. uh, self, right? Uh, spiritual, everything. I'm able to call on those mentors today, just like I would back then. And I've been home 23 years. And those are the same mentors you had. So you have the same mentors through, through the entire time. Yeah. And I met them, uh, for example, for, uh, one of you know when I was with Center Force, uh, Barry Zach, one of my uh, mentors, met me inside, and I always mentioned him because he changed the way I thought about incarceration. I thought bad, I'm a bad person, I'm bad this, and I remember when I when I was released, uh, we um, Center Force have, has a house right outside of San Quentin, and he you know he kind of was like welcome home, and when we walked in there, he had this huge spread and all the people that had worked with me. You know, all the people that have t- taken time out of their lives to come and teach me things, they were there like saying, you know, welcome home. And that's a that's a that's a huge difference than some of my homeboys that got out and was like, oh, lock up, the, lock up the good stuff. And, you know, he's here. Watch him and all that it was instant trust. And I understood clearly that uh, I was being blessed in that situation because of my, my my release was different. So would you say that was a transformational moment that, you know, motivated you to create the community that you have, or was there another moment inside where that, that light bulb came on? Well, it was definitely inside, I would say, but that, that moment was uh, the spark that I needed uh, to jumpstart the second phase, you know, the release. Now you go and put all this stuff into practice back into in society, but on the inside, um, I, you know, my father's friends, uh, it was a situation where all the lifers embraced me, right? They normally don't do that with a teenager, right? They embraced so me. Because your father was, you know, they knew your yeah. father. And so yeah. okay. he had done the same thing for them, right? A lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I remember hearing things, and this is not your average citizen. This is somebody that's going to give it to you tough, right? You know, so you can go over there and try to fight him, but he's not going to fight you. He's not about that, right? So if you're willing to put your life on the line, you go over there and deal with that. Or you can sign up for one of these college classes over here, or you could do this Catargio program to release that. That's what, you know, Catargio was, I believe, a word that means to release you of that which binds you. Yeah. Uh, you could go and do all these self-help things, or you could hang on that yard. That yard is the equivalent to East Palo Alto. Got it. Of East Palo Alto. So they sort of got me wired in the right direction to be open to hear something i wouldn't i'm not gonna lie i wasn't going to these things with an open heart open mind i was going because you know the og said but then when i got there i saw this i saw these incredible transformational you know tools skills and then hearing these guys who are really really you know i mean guys have been down for you know 40 years i'm not even i wasn't even 20 yet you know what i mean i'm going wow okay and uh you know toastmasters and doing doing you know seeing guys come out of there and they're phenomenal uh public speakers made me want to go to toastmasters they made me do my first college courses through merit college inside right and i was like man if i'm these guys are doing this inside what am i doing on the streets right um and maybe i maybe i need to learn how to compete in life right but the thing is I tell people this. It wasn't like I was a, a inherently bad human being. My parents was gangsters, right? So if my father was a lawyer and my mother was a doctor, you'd be looking at a doctor or a lawyer right now, right? We, we are time. a product of our environment. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I was doing what I thought. You know, I was taught from a very young age, thou shalt not snitch. 
thou shalt not be disrespected if disrespected take off you know just all these things and then uh i'd never put on a shirt pair of pants shoes that wasn't sponsored by drug money right so of course i didn't see someone waking up preparing and going to work and having successful outcomes in fact I, the, the success was different you know what i mean on, on the streets so I, t I tell people when we're when we're throwing stones at folks we gotta get the whole story right know where they're from what they're what they're doing like some some of the coaches will say man that's a bad kid and i said there's no such thing amen right there's no such thing right we got get to know them see where see where it's coming from right What's in the, the juvenile hall i work with kids who are you know facing really serious charges some of them will be sentenced as adults some of them may not see the streets again uh not inherently bad kids um you know, grew up in environments where, you know, you probably learn, you know, things that led up to what led up to what you were doing. Like in my situation, um, the shooting that I was convicted of, right? Um, if if you did that today, right, you would be it would be a life sentence. There would be no way out of that, right? Um, so, so Harold, would you say like? I heard you say like that was a blessing that happened to you that you mm -hmm. you were incarcerated because it saved your life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Would you say there was just like a fate, like some like a bigger hand involved in all of it? Absolutely, this? absolutely. Uh, my spiritual side is strong, uh, and I you know I believe that um, God God put something in place for me that you know I buried, but maybe forty five, forty eight of my. Uh, friends growing up in East Palo Alto and, and a few family members, right? Almost all due to gun violence, right? Or some type of violence, right? Mm -hmm. And my behavior back then, the things that I was doing, the things that, that attracted me, I was, I, was, I was right there. I was right there. So I know that this was a blessing. I know that God said, hey, you know what? I'm going to protect you from yourself, right? But in doing so, Right. I'm going to give you uh, the understanding to go in here and accept help from others. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's another thing that I couldn't I couldn't accept help. Right. I used to be really, really embarrassed by the fact that, you know, my mother was on the welfare, the food stamps, the Medicare. I was like, man, I didn't get it. Right. I, why, why do we need to do that? Just do this. That's embarrassing. I didn't know how to ask for help. And if I did, I truthfully did not know how to accept it. Right. I thought uh, a man is supposed to figure all this stuff out. A man is supposed to do all this stuff on his own. But my um, my education behind what a man was at the time was probably a little different than what I believe a man is today. Well, that's the wisdom experience and, and growth that has come. And I know that you're really very involved in several communities, not just the football community. Mm -hmm. but you're also working with, you know, the at youth, um, at risk youth. Mm -hmm. And when you go in to speak to them, like like you were initially, like you weren't open to hear the message. What are some What are some things you do to help plant that seed with them? So being a credible message, I'm not going to lie, I didn't like that at first. Because I walk in and it's all respect. That's the OG. That's the dude that did time. Oh, I'm going to listen to him. So it's like, right? my, 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 my experience is like with the staff and teachers and the people, the parents and all that. They're going, man, you command instant respect from these young people. So what I started doing is not telling them the story first. Mm -hmm. Right? And what I found is you get that same connection. So it's not really about, where, you know, the prison sentence and all that stuff. It's about me coming in and general, generally being interested in them and, and their outcomes, right? So a young person might tell me something that they won't tell anyone else, right? Um, it's a little easier with football, right? Because you, you're doing an activity everybody loves it. You, you're here and you, it's sort of that, you know, locker room talk and how can I help you coach my girlfriend, coach my father, coach this a little easier. But in the juvenile justice system, what I found is that these young people have very few adults to come and bounce ideas off of that aren't, uh, that they trust, right? Because if you talk to the young folks, they can almost pinpoint an adult that helped them get into the situation that they're in. Right. Or, or, or even either from a belief system or sometimes even doing it with them. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
So you 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 dealing with a a community that's longing for a responsible adult to sit down with them and be truthful, right? And that's what I try and um, provide. Now, the preparation side, you know, the job readiness trainings, the life skills. I do a bunch of different workshops and other skill building type programs, leadership, all that stuff. Um, you know, that's the formal, but the informal is when you show up, right? When you show up and they're expecting you not to, right? They go, oh, Harold, uh, I didn't think you would be here. Like, why not? You know, people say all the time, adults say they're going to come all the time, but they never follow through, right? So, so you're, that, you're that example for them of the consistency and the follow through mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're committed to them. Yes, yes, because it's my opinion that the stuff that we say we don't want them involved in, we don't want them involved in gangs, we don't want them involved in drugs, we don't want them involved in crime. Well, gang members, drug dealers, and other types of criminals are available for these kids 24 hours a day, and they are consistent, right? So in order to sort of, I don't want to say combat that, but in order to give the, give the young folks another a, a different type of opportunity or another option, then I have to be available just as well as those other things are available. And that might be two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning when the kid is going through a traumatic situation, right? And you go, oh man, the phone's ringing. I want to sleep. But you know what? I'm going to answer the phone. Right? Sure maybe, we'll, maybe one of my sons, maybe one of my players, maybe one of, one of the kids I work with, right? And you just keep showing up. Yes, yes. And I, I, for me, I believe that's, you know, when you show up with the, with the heart and the skills, though, they do need skills. And I'm not, you know, uh, preparation is a skill, right? Uh, when I say even going to get, if, you, if you're trying to get a job, job searching is a job in itself, mm -hmm. right? If you're trying to go to school, uh, applying is a job in itself. So all the preparation and skill building is, is a must. And, you, you, you know, skills pay the bills. But they have to have somebody that's consistently showing up. So if there's someone watching who is, you know, in a situation where, you know, it's not a good situation, like, are there resources for, you know, these kids that, mm -hmm. that are available where they know they're going down the wrong path, but they, they want, they, they know in their soul, they want to take a different path. Are there resources? Yes. So, so if that, of course, those resources change depending on where a kid lives, you know, what's counties, what's available, right? And I don't want to uh, sit here and pretend like there's resources for everyone in every situation in every area. There's not, right? But uh, if you're in the Bay Area and you're, and you're um, you know, um, going through something, you can almost throw a rock and hit a nonprofit. Any which way you throw, you can hit a nonprofit, right? Um, but you also have some pretty good county, county and uh, state-based programs. Uh, for example, for example, the Department of Rehabilitation, right, is a is a really good place to start for somebody who's looking for workforce development type stuff. If you're in a county where you don't have a nonprofit, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, you have our organization, the Success Centers, the SuccessCenters.org, right. Uh, we deal in workforce development. We deal in uh, reentry services. We do a lot of this stuff. That you're that you're talking about if somebody uh in, in a dire situation and they need help so uh, if we can't do it directly we have indirect services with our partners that we can refer you to for, for example we're not doing mental health right mm -hmm. i don't i'm not i don't have a, a a degree for mental health right but i can refer you and mm -hmm. when i refer you you know people understand okay if this is coming from Harold, we know that this person is uh either uh, re-entry or what's going on but whatever it is uh this young folk these young folks gonna need to be uh we need to reach out to them somewhere rather quickly so that's 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 what we have to offer but there are many different organizations i mean in in the bay area at least i know uh or in california if a young person was to were to go to a school counselor a school counselor would probably refer them to somebody like me mm -hmm. Someone who's been there, done that, so you could be that example. Even though, like mm -hmm. you said, you don't like to share the, the story, you want to connect with them at first. But mm -hmm. when they see the example, like, okay, you know, Harold's been there, done that, and this is where he is now, that's an incredible, it's an inspiration, an example of it can be done. 
Yeah, and then the Bay Area is hard for me to like. Like if I come in, the kid already knows. He already like, knows. Stories out there, they know. Uh, but you know, I. I I like the fact that the narrative is changing a little bit. And it's like, I don't want to work with him just because he used to do what I, this, right? Or he was in prison or whatever. I want to work with him because he's effective, right? And he, he's telling the truth. And he can, you know, he's not going to tell me I'm great when I'm not. You know what I mean? He's going to, he's going to tell me, you know, to, I work in the growth mindset. If you're an a-hole today, right? <laughs> that has no bearing on what you're going to be tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you about today. So I'm not really... You know what I mean? I'm not really here to sugarcoat it either, right? Yeah, no, and you young people you know. love that. Love that. You know, first they have a, oh my God, like what's wrong with him? Like, oh, he's tripping, right? Yeah, I love and that. then they come to me and go, you know what? You're right, right? And I tell them, look, the we, the, that fixed mindset I have you believing that you're an a hole for life. I'm just talking about today, but I believe in the growth oh. mindset where you can change everything by tomorrow, right? And I tell them the same with me. I, you know, some some people will say, Harold, yeah, he was an a-hole today. Yeah, and I go, damn, okay. I look at that and go, damn, you're right. So I'm going to work on that. Tomorrow that won't happen, right? So we have, we have to be real with them too. Well, we also have to be real with ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you talk about um, growth mindset. So mm -hmm. do, you, do, you, do you believe that changing your attitude and your values is enough to change your life? Absolutely. I did it. So I believe, and not just my life, it, it changed my behavior, which had a, a profound impact on my life, right? So once I changed my mindset, right, it changed my worldview, mm. right? Once my worldview changed, it changed my attitude, my behavior. When those two things changed, my quality of life changed Amen. dramatically, right? I mean, and I think, Grace, you know that. When you see... You know, like how our kids go to school, where they go to school, all these things. Um, traveling the world, right? Seeing all these different countries, being almost, almost every state in this country, just being all over. This is something I grew up on two square blocks in East Palo Alto that I never, ever left for years. Right? I was basically in a COVID situation, and you saw what that did to us, right, yeah. uh, from a mental standpoint. Yeah. So now I know what was going on with me back then, right? Uh, I was I was limiting myself, right? And people say, no, nah, you didn't have people to take you out and all this stuff. Well, at some point, I got the controller. I had the controller, right? We, uh, we, so what you're saying is like we get to take accountability and responsibility for our own life regardless mm -hmm. of our situation. Yes. And yes. it's not always easy. And that's what we talked about. No, no. Stories. I'm like, you called it a unicorn. Um, cycles mm -hmm. are not easy to break. Mm-hmm. And so, and so how I broke that cycle, right, uh, going back to the worldview, right, my value system used to be, you know, survive, number one, you know, drugs, money, right, weapons, right, all these things. Well, after going through the situation that I went through in state prison, when I came home, my value system had changed to self-realization, number one, mm -hmm. family, uh, community, education, community. So I teach my boys. I'm talking about my sons yeah. and, and, and my wife. Our, our thing is if, if something comes up now, there used to be I was a loose cannon. I'm going to be real. I was a loose cannon. People will say, oh, hell, oh man, he had anger issues, right? <laughs> well, today it's not like I'm a different person. I, I mean, I, it boils up. Something is said or something is done or whatever, it boils up. And then I have to look at the values. If it has nothing to do with self-realization, family, education, community, then I don't I do not engage. So it's not that important. It's not yeah. relevant. It's not on the value chart, right? Mm -hmm. So I, like I, I literally have to do that in order for me to do what I want to do in life, right? Um, but I could have never chose chose those values or lived up to them if right um I didn't get the skills. Does that make sense? So we're not going to have somebody go get locked up and we're going to come out and have a conversation with her and know your life has changed. No, you have to have skills that are, that are connected to that. Uh, everything from not just the growth mindset, but, you know, that um, self, and, um, self and social awareness. Right. I didn't, I didn't have that when I was. Younger. And it's not it's not it's not easy. Like, you know, we're you know, we're talking about these principles. But like you said, someone's not just going to come out of their you know environment or from, you know, if they're incarcerated and it's going to happen. It's, yeah. 
it's it's a journey and it's not easy. And so in those moments where you felt discouraged or challenged or the old environment was coming up, like what did you do to help yourself continue to move forward instead of falling back into the old ways? Plug right into the mentors. Plug right into my mentors. Call mm -hmm. them. Hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm about yeah. to go off. What's going on? They'd be like, easy, young man. Easy, easy, easy. What's going on? And then they would talk to me about overcoming. Now, now to tell you the truth, though, uh, that strategy, you know, strategizing, planning, and you know, overcoming barriers and obstacles and challenges. Now that's ingrained. Now I can do it without mentors, right? Now I can have mentors call me and go, man. Now I'm on the other side. Now I'm mentoring the mentor, right? Mm -hmm. um, but these are not things that I was I was born with. I, I was not born with my with an ability to um, to utilize trauma informed care to work with someone else, right? These are things I learned along the way. Um, uh, motivational interviewing skills, not something mm -hmm. that I, that I was born with something I picked up when I was going to the College of San Mateo just two weeks after I was released from prison. And that was a choice you made because you could have, yeah. you had a choice. The choice was, you know, move forward this way or, mm -hmm. or go back this mm -hmm. way. Yep. Yep. And you, and, and, and when I, yeah. And when I, when I said, when, when I hear you say that, I always want to preface that with saying what I said from the beginning, unlike my, my peers that were incarcerated, I don't, I didn't have a, I don't have an addiction problem, never have. I don't have a mental health issue that was diagnosed, never been homeless, right? So for some of my peers, I would say it couldn't happen that, it wouldn't be that simple, right? And I, I don't think there's anything simple about it, right? Uh, uh, having accountability and doing it, it's not simple either. But I think it's really tough for somebody that has other issues, right? Dual and triple diagnosed, as well as being incarcerated, right? And now you're trying to reenter. My, my situation was a little bit different uh, and, and, and age, right? And age, I was still young. I was 23 years old when I came home. So, you know, it's like uh, if you, if you're 50, 60 years old, you know, you're fifth, fifth to sixth time going in and out and you have, you know, bipolar disorder plus a substance abuse issue okay. and, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, and you're, you're coming home to a shelter. Right, no family or whatnot. It'd be a little bit harder to use my model. Right. For sure, for sure. There's so many other factors, mm -hmm. and which really um, speaks to the testimony that you, your purpose was to come out and be that person to these kids. Yes, yes. So, so today, when when I'm on the field with young folks. I'm still just as amazed as everybody else. They don't want to have me. Everybody goes like, wow. I got, I got a friend of mine who I coached their son in high school this past year. And they were like, every time we come out, I can't believe you're out here doing it. After, you know, growing up with you and seeing who you were, you were a mess. Like, what's going on? And I had to tell him, I said, I, it's not, this, this privilege is not lost on me, right? I come out here every day and I go, man, this could have been different. Right, this could have been different. I'm as happy to be there and as shocked uh, at times, right, as everybody else in my uh, community is when they see me working, right? See me working on the field, they see me working in the community, they see me doing my thing, uh, keeping it real with these kids and also uh, providing them with the skills to make different decisions, right? Um, I'm, you know, I, 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 coming from where I came from, I'm still shocked. What a blessing. Yes. What yes, a blessing. yes. And and something that you continue to talk about is preparation. So what and, and the art of preparation, what does that mean to you? So the art of preparation means to think before you before you react, right? Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, what I learned is this. If I want a job, right? If I want a job, there are things I'm gonna have to do to prepare to to or to prepare to get into that process, right? I'm gonna need to understand the resume, the cover letter. I'm gonna have to, you know, be able to knock out the interview. I gotta know how to dress. I gotta know what the vernacular will be, right? What are some of the most commonly asked questions in the job and all that stuff. But uh, then I also have to understand that employers mm -hmm. wanna buy a skill from you, mm -hmm. right? So what have I done to prefer, what am I selling? 
right? And that's the preparation piece. If I wanna, if I wanna uh, get married, right? If I want to get married, and I was a young person, there are things I need to do to prepare to get married. I have to make sure that I'm making the right choices. I gotta make sure that this is what I want to do. And then I have to, you know, there's a, a spiritual component there too that I've got to take mm -hmm. care of. So I think just jumping into things without the preparation side and, and not teaching young people the art of preparation. And the reason I always bring that up is because if you talk to young people, what do you want to do? Oh, I'm going to go into this company. What are you going to work at? Oh, I want to be the CEO. There's preparation. You know, you might start off mopping the floors, mm -hmm. right? Then you got to learn systems and you learn these things in order to prepare you to supervise somebody through all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't really um, just jump into things in life without being prepared for them. And I think preparation is a word that's kind of lost uh, when we start talking about young people. We talk, we talk to them about development. We talk to them about all these things. Uh, well, uh, I have a, a supervisor who she says, some people are ready to get a job. Some people, we got to get them ready to get ready to mm. get a job, right? Some people in life are not ready to deal with life on life terms. So we got to get them ready to understand what it's like to live in this society, right? And then, of course, we got those other folks who have been locked away and they're going to reenter the society and we have to prepare them, right, to come back and live in this society where they've been, that they've been locked out of for, you know, decades because of uh, past behavior. I remember, um, that's a huge word, preparation. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was going through a challenging time and I had a friend tell me, just prepare right now. Everything you do is just preparing you for what's to come. And you're right. I think we use the other words like self-development and um, commitment, consistency without yes. thinking the preparation mm -hmm. the preparation so i love that the art of preparation because you're right for everything we do there's steps that we need to take to get there we just don't get there in in one jump yes. so you're talking about all those little steps that we need to take and something i heard you say too is it has to be conscious like we're, we need to be conscious yeah. of it mm -hmm. uh, so even even our last breath right we have to prepare for it in a spiritual sense yeah. And then some of us also financially and all this stuff, we got to do that now in order to take care of our families when we're no longer here. Right. right. So when I when I say uh, consciously, even the things we're afraid of, we have to prepare for them and we have yeah. to do it out loud. And, and it's going to be and the preparation is not always comfortable. Right. No, it's not no. always comfortable. It's not right? always comfortable because we have to we do have to sacrifice. There's, you know, I, I want to go out and play, but get, but guess what? If I'm always out playing, then I'm, I'm not preparing. I'm going to be here five years from now. And it's going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have the foundation that I need to have. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And so now you're talking about a lack of preparation, right? I've played away my life. Now here I am in a situation where uh, I need to now go back. And this is the Herald story, right? I've played away my life. And now I gotta go back and prepare uh, for things that may, maybe maybe a high schooler would be preparing for, right? Or even a junior high uh, kid would be preparing for. I had to do that stuff in my twenties because I didn't pay attention back then. Um, and it's okay. I tell you, it's, it's okay. So uh, uh, humans are on different levels and spectrums of growth. Uh, you know, it's not always connected to age and all that stuff. We're constantly growing, constantly learning how to prepare for what we what we need to do, right? And what I find is, like on the football field, uh, I'm I'm successful, I'm successful because I prepare, and it, and and I could put that another way to you as well. Um, maybe I'm successful because the person on the other side of the field failed to prepare. I like right. that. So, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right? And you can say that about a lot of other aspects of life as well, That's right? True. Where people say, oh, Harold can do this, that, and the other. Well, truthfully, um, any human could do what I'm doing, but you would need to, uh, you know, you, you, you would need to go and prepare and understand what's going on in order to uh, work with the um, young community that I work with. And, 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 you know, the fascinating thing is that from a high school level, you know, I've been, I worked at uh, Menlo high school, the private school in uh, Atherton. 
And even I came in saying, like, you know, uh, you know, these kids don't need me. They won't need this stuff or whatever. And from an, from a social emotional standpoint, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They're no different than any awesome. other kid. And and the kids would even say that, like, coach, thank you, like whatever. And I'm at MA and same thing. And I'm going, okay, here you have a, a more diverse from a social social economical standpoint and all that. And the kids are going, no, no, no. I, I still I still need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still okay. need it. So making that was me making the assumption that a kid because of who they're born to and what they have financially don't need uh, to learn like, you know, uh, the art of preparation or, um, you know, like, like social emotional or social, social emotional learning, all of this development, uh, kids develop the same, right? Kids develop the same. Now some may have the resources to add on, right? But if you, if you neglect it, if you neglect it, then you can see some of the same issues. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, we see different, there are still j fucked up, excuse me, issues, you know, in, in this class as there is this, because you have the money to, to buy the, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. and, and I think like you, I think it's community and having adults there to hear them and be present for them. Mm -hmm. But it's also a thing where we shouldn't neglect the kid, no matter where they come from. I agree. Right. Kids right. shouldn't be neglected because their parents have money. Kids shouldn't be neglected because their parents don't have money. Right. And I think when we're when we're talking, and I, you know, I'm saying kids on purpose here. Right. I know people say young adults. I'm saying kids to truly differentiate between an adult and a young person. Right. Now, you could say the same about some of the adults that need help today. Um, right. Uh, one of my uh, the things I talk up to with my own sons. I said, if somebody started getting high at 14 mm -hmm. and fell into addiction, right? And now they're 40 years old, they've, they've, they're, you know, they're, they're coming out the addiction, right? Where is the brain? What, uh, what, what age yeah, would you put the brain? Started. Exactly. So, so you, you could, there are certain things you can do to make it where, you know, your daily preparation, your daily outlook on life, it's probably the same as that kid, right? And this is why we don't measure things in age, we measure things yeah. in ability. Well, and also, like you said earlier, number one, it's never too late. Um, and number two, it's like we're each, we're each individual is on their own path mm -hmm. and we can't, there's no good or bad and there's no judgment because we don't know what's behind it all. Mm -hmm. And so, could, for me, I feel like if we could, you know, go into situations with that kindness and compassion and understanding, regardless of where the kid came from, I think just right there, it's helpful because then it'll help connect. I think that's yeah. all sometimes they know, which I don't know much, you know, what no, do I know? But, but imagine this though, what I'm hearing you say is if somebody gains the skill and they start believing in themselves and they believe that they, that they can do what they want to do, all they have to do is prepare and move forward. Siempre adelante, right? Just always forward, just moving forward, then of course, of course, that's, I mean, I mean they're going to be in a better situation than somebody that does not believe that they can move well, forward. It's the mindset. Yep, growth mindset. mindset. And again, like I said, what do I know? I'm just, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I also feel like if there's someone to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself, like a, someone like a Herald, I, 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 I do believe that can, you know, make a difference. And we don't, oh, have, yeah. we don't have enough of you um, because it takes an adult who believes in themselves like you do to mm -hmm. inspire these kids. Yes, yes. And, and remember, I believe in myself and I believe in them, right? So, which is, so, which is huge. That's what, what it takes mm -hmm. is, is that belief in that kid. But what I like what you said, and I've seen this, you know, done, you know, before is um, you don't sugarcoat it. Like if, they, no. if, if, if they're an asshole that day, you tell them they're an asshole and then you build them up. So is there an art to that? Yeah, I mean, it, it starts with not fearing the kid. Right? I don't fear. I don't fear people, right? I don't feel fear other humans. And I, a lot of our teenagers, a lot of our young people, are feared by their adult counterparts. I mean, just adults just fear these kids. I don't understand it, right? Uh, because I'm not afraid of them. Uh, like, for example, I remember uh, we went to a Warriors game. Just me, me and Erica, me and my wife, and we were on the uh, bar. 
and it was a group of young people. They were loud and being, uh, you know, a little derogatory and all that stuff. And I was like, hey, you know, watch, watch what y'all saying or whatever. They were like, oh, shoot. Sorry, OG. We didn't even, hey, we didn't even know. I didn't even realize what we were doing or whatever. I was like, no, no, you know, no, no need to, you know, feel like I'm a disrespect. I'm just making you aware, right? I'm an adult, right? That, I think kids like that, right? I, that, like, okay, he's he's showing me that I'm I, he's here, I'm here, and he's making me aware of my surroundings, right? But then there was another situation where on the train coming back uh, from the city, and um, I was talking to this young person, just sparked up a conversation, right? We had masks on because of the COVID stuff, and the guy said, I thought he was like something, and he said, at, at first, I thought you were this guy I know named Harold. I said, this, I am Harold. He was like, oh. <laughs> We started talking, and he was and he was actually working with me in the juvenile hall, right, uh, years ago. And he said, man, based on what you did, I'm now, I forget what he was doing. Um, yeah, but he he's, oof, I forget what he, either construction work or something he was doing. And he said, man, um, you kind of got me, put, you pushed me in that direction, mm. right? You pushed me in that direction to where I realized that what I was doing and trying to, you know, trying to do the gang thing and do all this other stuff wasn't really working anyway, but you kind of pushed me into seeing the world different. Now, if I was afraid of these kids, I wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't have that. Right? And I know a lot of adults that say, I don't, hey, oh, kids over there walk on this side of the street. Oh, they're over there. Oh, come over here. Like, I don't want to talk to these kids. I'm afraid of these kids. And I don't know where that came from because my mother was sure not afraid of us. Right? <laughs> if she was alive today, I tell you, people say, oh, Harold is tough. He's this, he's that. If my mother walked in, the whole environment changed. We sat up a little different. Right? <laughs> Our hats came off or whatever we were supposed to be doing because, hey, she she parented with the strong hand, mm -hmm. right? And she, it was clear as day. She was not afraid of us. And I think that's where I get it from, right? I think that's where I get it from. I was uh, – not, not to mention it's kind of hard to, to to fear someone and love them at the same time. And I oh, just think our young folks, right? That's huge. Um, and, I, and I think our, our communities, you know, they love, our, our parents love their kids. People love their, and I, I just think that our communities have become so busy with like work life and yep. all this other stuff to where we've, you know, you, know, you don't have the time to uh, do what was done in the past with young folks. And I, I also think young folks need to get a little thicker skin, a little tougher and understand that, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not like me. I wasn't, you know, I told you my mother was a substance user, my father life without the possibility since I was young, uh, a year old, yeah. I was not parented. I was, uh, I was completely unsupervised. For the you most part. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and that's not to say that I didn't have other people. It's just that they didn't supervise us the way like today, you either get one of two extremes, it seems like. It's like mm -hmm. either you get the helicopter parent that right. stays taking the practice, stay, want to try to tell you what to do and all this stuff, and all, or you get the kid, you don't ever see their parents, right? You don't ever see anybody. And I think there's, you know, there's two different ways of doing it, right? Sure. Uh, uh, like I said, I wasn't, you don't need to hover over, but you do need to spend time. And somebody that, I remember Michael Singletary, when he was the uh, head coach of the Niners, I was talking to him. And he said, man, the one thing I do is when I'm talking to my kids or my wife, I shut my, I close my computer. I, 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 I turn my phone off or I move it somewhere else so that I'm completely available. Right? How many kids have an adult in their life that will shut down everything and be completely available for them for whatever amount of time? That's so true because we're all so stuck on our phones and busy and like running mm -hmm. like hamsters that we're not available or, or present most of the time. Mm -hmm. And Which then how many of us force our kids to do the same? Right. Force so our kids to put everything away and mm -hmm. to engage with you. Well, it goes back to that connection, mm -hmm. being seen and heard and and um, valued. Mm -hmm. and, and and what I found, the reason I love football is just, it just suits me. I was, you know, always into football. But yeah, there are many know. other, yeah, <laughs> my, my, many other activities though. Kids like to build things and do things and be in, be a part of something bigger than themselves, right? Uh, adults do as well, right? And that's why we are always searching for 
like different communities to plug into and different friends and then we figure out ways to communicate and all this stuff. But young people sometimes are locked out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they're locked out of that, they're gonna they're gonna uh, socialize on their own. Right. And that's where you get the gangs and the drugs and all that stuff. They want to belong. Because they're looking for something to do. And find right. ways to connect and commute, which it can go, come back to the other side. If, you know, as parents and communities, if we create that, then mm-hmm. maybe that, you know, the, again, we have to be the pebble in the pond. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 when, and then we, I know there are some people probably saying, hey, wait, hold on. I know that there are some kids out there that are just a mess. And then you, no matter what you do for them, they, they're just a mess. Well, now you, you're talking about a different situation, right? You're probably talking about mental health and other stuff that's going sure. on. Um, Valid. And, you know, not everybody has the ability to deal with that. If you've ever seen a young person that's uh, like dealing with like schizophrenia uh, or bipolar and, or, or, you know, on the spectrum or whatnot, um, that's a different story, totally. right? And you know how many kids you have out there? Um, that are engaging in this behavior that are undiagnosed until they get in trouble. They I get in trouble imagine. and they lost their whole life and now they go, okay, mm-hmm. now we know why, right? But there's, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that you just inherently have an asshole out there that's looking. Well, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's like we're not born assholes. Mm-hmm. We have experiences and, and moments that create that pain within us and that hurt and that's how... Um, then we show up that way. I think trauma response, right? Yeah, it's a trauma response. Yeah. Um, which goes back to how what, what can we do? Like you've done. Like again, it's just a pebble in the pond. Mm-hmm. If we could just do one thing, be there for you know one kid, be there, or put the phone away, just be available. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think we realize the impact that we can have if we just are present and listen. It doesn't have to be our kid. Mm-hmm. It can be the neighbor's kid. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I know there's a, almost even a political aspect to this now, right? Where if he, it's creeping into politics. Where people say, no, he's an asshole. No, he's got trauma response. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't get into the politics. Right? I don't either. So, so, so what I'm talking about is uh, understanding why things are the way they are with these young folks. For right? sure. And, passion. Mm-hmm. And so, and so everyone, to, so, and I'm also not saying, I never come up here and say, Oh, you know, there's a one, like a one dose cures all for all these kids. And I'm also not saying kids aren't going to make mistakes. That's going to cost them their lives. Right. Um, um, it happens. You know, to all yeah. of us. Hey, I, also, I went to prison. And and Harold also, I mean, in the communities outside, like the kids from the Hillsborough go to prison too for shit. Um, I think it's not just this or that. I it's, see a lot of that in the hall. Yeah, now. we have to look at like it's 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 a whole, it's a society, it's our kids, mm-hmm. it's our youth, regardless of where they come from. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful to you for you know being one of those people. We need more people like you. Hold their little behinds accountable, and you'll see yeah. something different, right? <laughs> you'll see the, you want to see something different, make it different, prepare, and then execute with them. That's right. right. So, so what? So what would you tell your eighteen-year-old self now that you have uh, all experience? <laughs> oh my God! I would tell I would tell a hey, abort mission, huh? Go that way. Stop doing this. Uh, what I would have told my eighteen-year-old self was more about uh, like the growth mindset mm. and the fact that you know, you know, that you know, to be patient, be patient, um, and gain skills along the way. Gain skills and make sh- make sure that you pick up skills. Because it seemed like back then I was afraid to live, right? Uh, because I wasn't preparing to live. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier. Right. So I would just, you know, relax, uh, you know, relax, work on you, mm-hmm. work on you. Uh, I was, I was the king of excuses king of excuses right and it just i don't know to, to me it it seemed like in that state with the you know with that underdeveloped mind you know being so young and then the aggression and all everything that happened in my environment um i could i could have looked at that a little bit different and seen that i was being blessed in ways that other people weren't in regards to uh uh internal toughness and 
you know, just all of the things that I was being prepared for, uh, I just had no idea that this was on the other side of it. Right? Beautiful. Yep. What a beautiful, inspiring story. And I can, you know, I could sit here and chat with you all day, <laughs> all day and how much I appreciate having you here. And actually we had some people comment. So I'm going to go ahead and um, tell you the impact you've already had, Harold. And th uh, thanks for having me too. Of course. I, it's, thank you for coming on. Um, Oscar Helogas says, um, thank you for your powerful testimony, Harold. I grew up in Redwood City and lived in East Palo Alto growing up and continued success to you. And he just says, I really enjoyed what's being said. And he's benefited from a mentor like you and keep doing what you're doing, Hermano. So, uh, thank you, Oscar. Thank yeah. You, Oscar. And, and if anyone has questions um, for Harold or need any support or guidance or know anyone that needs to be led in the right direction, please feel free to put your comments in the chat. I will definitely get them to Harold if he doesn't see them. And if you're listening to the this podcast, um, Harold, where can someone reach you if they need to reach you? Um, I think uh, there's a few ways to reach me, but uh, I'm going to keep it more professional on the podcast and give you my email address. It's H Atkins, H-A-T-K-I-N-S at successcenters.org. Wonderful. And I'll go ahead and add that information um, below so that it's there. And again, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing the story and I appreciate um, just you being open to really chat about everything and anything that came up. Um, I miss you guys. I and know, I'm huh? seeing you all soon. We had a, a great run that was so fun and it was always great seeing you on the field with the kids. So um, I feel very blessed to have just been with all of you um, and had those great times to share. Yeah. Right. Hey, this is a great thing that you're doing, Grace. Keep it up. Uh, I'm a fan. I love the podcast. The real talk stuff is what we need more of, right? Thanks. And Thanks. just thank you. And I want to uh, shout out your audience too. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. And hang on with me, Harold. To everyone who's watching, I really appreciate you because I know there are so many different places you could be. I am grateful for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share and rate it. And to those of you watching the replay, thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, make it an amazing day. God bless you all. Hey, love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.